And so now it is my great pleasure to welcome and introduce our speaker this day, a man who always introduces us to new ideas, Dr. Patrick Cameron. Good morning. Welcome. I'm just checking where the lights are. I never know. Awesome. Awesome, awesome. So, let's, uh, and thank you, Jessica, for your beautiful music this morning. So, so amazing. So, I'd like to invite um, Brian to come out and... uh, accompany us on in this very room and we'll say a prayer after we sing our song and Brian's new to our culture so he's probably back there I just saw him I know he's back there here he is awesome let's get Brian a hand for being here today all right so if you'd like to stand and sing with me please feel free if you'd like to stay seated what our song really helps us move into that vibration of the Most High. It's, our prayer work here is an invocation. So an invocation in, um, about what we'd like to invite into our experience, which is an opening within us. All right. And the words should be over my shoulder. And there they are. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world and in this very room there's quite enough joy for all the world and there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear or spirit One spirit is in this very room, in this very room, in this very room. And what I invite you to know in this moment with me as we ride on the vibration of this beautiful song and the notes of the music, which is truly a spiritual practice, so I allow myself to surrender completely into this beautiful melody, this free-floating melody that is resting beneath each and every one of us in this moment. And I am lifted up in that, and I invite you to join me in that lifting up in consciousness, in that awareness. And then we stand on this high altar of consciousness. And what that looks like, what that is for me, is that I declare, I recognize and declare that one life, that army of light that I am immersed in, in and through and as, is my life. And as I claim that, then the words I impress upon it, I plant the seeds of possibility and opportunity. And so my intention this day is to be that clean hollow vessel of divine expression in thought, word, and deed. My expression this day is standing in gratitude with you and in great gratitude and appreciation for wonderful health, the health that brought us here today, the vibrancy wherever my, my physical body is in discord or distress. I bless those areas and I know that this, these workers of light This presence of love is assisting me in that as I ask for their help. So thank you for your help in allowing me to be physically vibrant upon this planet. Thank you for a sharp and wonderful mind that captures the essence of what is being shared and the wisdom, not only in the words, but upon the words. Thank you for beautiful eyes to see, for arms to hug. 
for a wonderful opportunity for creative expression this day, that my life becomes a masterpiece. The word Toltec from the book, the work of Don Miguel Ruiz means artist. We are the artists in our own lives, and so you and I choose the colors, we choose the size of the brush, and we, su- we choose the masterpiece that we shall paint, which is our lives. And so with that said, I know that I have activated and impressed upon this infinite law, these ideas, and every good thing in the universe is conspiring in every good way to support the longing of my heart to match those ideas. I release anything within myself and I support you in the same activity, the forgiveness, the putting down, and the releasing of anything that is a constant obstacle or a part-time obstacle or obstruction to that which I long for. I know this for you and I thank you for knowing it for me. Where two or more are in agreement, it is done. And so it is done and I give thanks. And I'm about the business of maintaining my own thought quality, my own reaching for the highest thought possible. This is my work to do, and I welcome it, I celebrate it, I know the infinite intelligence within each and every one of us guides and reminds when we forget, when I forget, and for this I give thanks. I give thanks for the beauty and the joy, the music, and the masterpiece that we paint with our consciousness and our form as we bring it into form. For this I give thanks, and together we say, and so it is. So I, I had to pin my notes down here because the little ones came up from the first service and they were starting to take them home with them. <laughs> and not that I don't want to be generous, but I do need them for a little bit longer. Hey, paper, cool. What does it say? Ah, it doesn't matter. Just colorful paper. As I just, and thank you for standing with me and sitting with me in the prayer. One of the most powerful things we can do in our lives is prayer. And so I'm going to talk about prayer a bit today because we're a spiritual community and one of the things we do is prayer. And it's such a great, I'm just so delighted. I'm, I, I've come back from this Brazil experience and it has changed me forever in terms of the, 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 the opportunity and the, and the insight and the awareness that I have of the immediacy of spirit. You know, sometimes in my own prayer work I can get, I can get lazy and then I, think, I feel like, well, I'm doing my prayer work and I'm setting my intention, I'm speaking my word, and yet I'm not connected to it. And what I know is those are indicators in my own awareness of, of how I'm, I'm selling myself short in my own spiritual practice. Dr. Ernest Holmes is our founder. He founded Religious Science. He wrote the first textbook, 1926. That's the original textbook. But in the, in, in a, and he was a prolific writer. He wrote numerous books. But he wrote about invocation. And what we just did was an invocation. And what requires invocation just simply requires our yes. And so I'm assuming because you're here, I have your Yes. Uh, and, and perhaps my assumption is wrong, but for the sake of this discussion, I'm going to assume that I have your, your agreement with me. But Dr. Holmes says that invocation, just as a seed planted in the creative soil invokes the law that is, sets it in motion. So when we plant a seed, the law that is, this infinite intelligence that's always listening, the, 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 in, the universe is waiting for us to take our next breath. And what I learned in Abhijandi is this, this army of light can only help us and assist us, this force for good, if we ask. And invocation is very, very powerful and important. And so sometimes I can be isolary, and sometimes I forget that in my own prayer practice. But my learning in this and my, my celebration of this is to realize how potent and powerful that is. And so what I know for you today is that I, and for myself, what I'm interested in is not more information that's just going to confuse me. I'm interested in the experience of the infinite. And that experience is in the breaths we take, 
It's in the awareness that we have. There's a, there's a vibrancy, there's a current, there's a frequency that's available. It's available right here and right now. We don't have to go to Brazil to capture it. Although that was such an intense experience for me for two weeks to be in that, that environment. But I came out of that open and things that were restricting that experience are no longer alive for me. And I'm, I keep waiting for the hammer to drop, you know, how you go on a holiday and then all of a sudden it's like, and, and, and as much as I sit and wait for the hammer to drop, that, that, that doorway closes, the doorway stays open. So that's quite a beautiful thing. So I, I, I love that. And so my, my knowing for you is that the, that doorway opens for you. And we, we open the doorway to the capacity, capacity and ability that we can open the doorway. I mean, that's what this whole thing is, is, is about, is our own spiritual awakening. And so Holmes says, just as a seed planted in the creative soil invokes the law that is, sets it in motion, so treatment invokes the creative law of mind and sets it in motion. Well, it sets in motion whatever we are impressing upon it. And that's why the quality of our thought is so important. Because if we're in the confusion and the, and the fear and the lack and the limitation, this is what this loving, welcoming, benevolent uh, energy receives. And in fact, what we bring into our experience is that frequency that supports us in continuing to have whatever experience we're having. That's why it can be so frustrating. There's nobody more miserable than a miserable metaphysician. Because if you really understand the teaching, there's nobody to blame. I'm having a bad week. Who can I point my finger at? I'm having a bad decade. Whose fault is it? And it's nobody's fault. But we're so, we're so captured in, in these ideas that, of, of meritocracy that we have to earn love, that we have to earn the gifts, that we have to, we have to be deserving. And so in the, um, in the work by Don Miguel Ruiz's son, we're doing his, his, he'll be with us at the end of the month to do a weekend. He won't be doing the Sunday talk, but I thought, what a great book. I started looking at the five attachments. And what he begins with is instead of taking a story for what it's worth, this idea, it, we create a story to fit our beliefs. And so a lot of times our beliefs are simply things that our parents have given us because that was their survival techniques. That was the way that they pushed down fear and they pushed down conflict and they, and they managed their lives. And so we create a story to fit our beliefs. Seeing beyond our filters does not come easily. We all have filters. I have filters, you have filters. And seeing beyond them many times does not come easily. So when I was in Brazil and people say, can you describe the experience or how have you changed, which is a wonderful question because everyone wants to know uh, the, the, the significance of that, a lot of it is indescribable, which, is, which speaks to the mystery of spirit. And Holmes talks about this a lot. Dr. Holmes understood the mystery. But what happens is we get trapped in the, in the intellect at times and figure we've got to understand it all. And you can see people going, oh my gosh, what's going on here? I've been describing my, my healing and my experience since I've gotten home. And you can see people trying to line it up in their own thinking. Not that it's a bad thing, it's just how we're wired. I want to understand this. And so much of it was, was, was the experience and not the, the uh, narrative, the thought process. So Don Miguel Ruiz's son continues when we're attached, as attachments increase to, to who I am, so who I am becomes what I know. And this is, and this is not a bad thing either, but it's a, it's a limitation because who you are is far more deep and profound and powerful than anything you or I know. And what I know is since I went and had that experience and come back, it's exactly what we teach. It's just that I, I, a lot of it is not based on who, uh, what I know. 
because a lot of it I don't know. I remember talking to uh, Reverend Candace Beckett. Dr. Candace was our president for a number of years, and a year ago she, had a, she, she died on the operating table. And I, met, I saw her in Vancouver, and she said, you know, I've been teaching this teaching. She grew up in the movement. And she said, I don't know if I agree with everything we teach anymore because I had that fourth dimension experience. And there's mysteries to it that cannot be explained. And that's not a bad thing. I think that's healthy as our consciousness expands. But see, what it is is trusting the mystery, the unknown. It's really boring. I mean, if, when you go on a trip and you've got it all figured out, I mean, that's a good idea. I mean, I like to plan the trip now. But my old style was, let's just go. And then I'd end up getting lost and confused, and that was frustrating as well. So it's understanding and doing our work, but also understanding that, that it's surrendering so that the experience, the, the joy, and the celebration of life can show up. But, but we, get so, we, we get caught in a box at times. I can get caught in a box. An attachment, our attachments, is the book Five Levels of Attachment, is strengthened by conditional love. So I get up in the morning, I go and look in the mirror, and I go, who's this old guy? What happened? Because I didn't used to always have gray hair. Not until I started dyeing it, of course, because it's jet black. <laughs> um, I didn't always look this way, you know? I, I, I look and I start seeing more and more of my dad. It's like, oh, okay. And I've got spots showing up on me that I didn't, what's this stuff? That must be a big freckle. I can't be an age spot. But anyway, so you, we, we have a tendency, my experience has been, I can only speak from my experience, not yours, but I would imagine at times you've done the same thing, is that you go look in the mirror and because there's things you'd like to improve or change, this is what we focus on. And it's just our human nature. You know, we, we're inundated. You know, I think that every man would like to probably look like Brad Pitt. Well, maybe not. Dave, who'd you like to look like? Anybody? Dave doesn't know, but he'll get back to me next week. What's that? See, Dave's good with Dave. Awesome, Dave. Yeah. But I guess what I'm referring to is this idea of what the ideal is. And what you have to realize is that it's ideal right now. Perfection is today. And so when you go to the mirror and you, and you start doing this with yourself, what, what, what then you, you limit your capacity to give and receive love because until you meet the, measure, the, the, the conditions that you've just set up for yourself for perfection, you withhold love. And you withhold love from yourself. And most people do that. When you look at the world and you see people struggling and they're angry and they're frustrated and you see some of the insanity that goes on, those people are, those people are, are way out of touch with love. You know, they're way out of the, the touch of the, the non-physical, the spiritual, which, 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 can, which can guide us. See, when our spirit's awake, our intuition's alive. And then when our intuition's alive, then the infinite intelligence that wants to inform us and resource us so that we can, so that we can have greater creative expression is, is there. But when we limit it, then we shut it down because we're too busy being in that sense of kingdom one of consciousness, which is victim consciousness. When we're in victim consciousness, our spirit's not awake. And everything in the world and everyone is doing something to us that doesn't feel good. And so this, this whole idea behind attachment is that it's, it's waking up to see beyond our filters in a new way. It's called new thought. When we, when we see things in a new way, we have new experiences. We invoke different experiences. 
you know, for a number of years, I've been here 10 years now, and, and uh, we've, had, we've got beautiful facility. Grateful, grateful, grateful for our facility. But our facility in many ways doesn't work for all the programs we have. We've outgrown our programs. And so for a long time, I didn't want to talk about this because it's, it scared me. And the reason it scared me was if I bring it up, people won't love me. So there's, there's, a, there's an entrenched belief. You know, I mean, the, the stories of communities and, and ministers that have, that have taken resources and not used them well is quite popular. I went and looked at that uh, church down on uh, Ellerslie Road this week. Laura and I went down there with a couple of people because it's going into receivership. And we are only $10 million away from owning that. <laughs> Just want to let you know how close we are. <laughs> and so I wanted to go look, though. And, and, and what happened there is just heartbreaking. I'm looking, I'm looking at this assistant minister walking me around. I'm like, oh, my gosh, how can we help? You know? And they've, they, they've lost everything. A developer came in, and they did some things that there weren't checks and balances, and now they're going to be out of a home. But what I know about that is that it's a reflection of consciousness and someone is playing things out there and collectively. And so what happens is that that our consciousness precedes experience. And it was great to look at it. I mean, it wasn't great that the experience was there. It was great to see it and all that stuff. And, um, and, you know, uh, that was somebody's dream. And now that dream is... Has, uh, has died for a group of community of people. Big facility, seats 1,300 people, big stage. Stage is probably bigger than what we have here. But neither here nor there, but one of the reasons that I look at it and I realize, you know, last week we've had a drain, and we've had drains, our drains are 60 years old. My first task when I came here by myself, Laura was still down in the States, was our cosmic kid room. The, the sewage would back up in there. And it was like, Ugh. So I got a jackhammer and I jackhammered out the floor. I brought a plumber in. We fixed the plumbing and we, we poured cement again and we put the stairs back in and we put new carpet in. We bleached everything to clean up the, anything that might be floating around down there. And, and so now we have other drains that are failing. And this last week we had a plumber out a week, month ago and now the same drain is failing again. And I realized, you know what? This is a metaphor for your life. Where are you not letting the flow of life in? Is all it is. Because there's 60-year-old drains that don't keep backing up. And what I realized, too, is that since I've come back from Abhijandi, it's really clear to me that, that... See, when I grew up in a family of 11 kids, and every time we had too many kids to fit the house, my dad would add another room. He would remodel. I mean, how many of us, when we get when we outgrow the house we're in, we move? kind of simple, isn't it? And I'm not saying we need to move, and I'm not saying we need to remodel, but I'm, need, I, what we need to do is come up with a vision for what we want to do. We need to invoke what would work for us. And, and not be into, oh my God, that'll require more of me. No, 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 no. What if it was easy? See, that's why our prayer work is so important, and that's what I want to talk to you about, because this is a practical example, and I got so clear about it in Brazil. Because what I think all the time, I mean, I, one of my board members at the last board meeting said, well, you always keep saying you're a master carpenter. So what does a master carpenter do? Looks for, looks for stuff to fix. If you're a carpenter, you've got you to build stuff. And I realize, holy cow, that's who I am. So when I take this on, I say, gee, we need, you know, we need a facility that works for all of us. Right away, I think, I've got to do it. Forget that. 
I got my hands full. I can't even keep my front yard clean, let alone, you know, build this. But what I realize is that I, need, I don't need to, to um, I need a bigger idea about possibility with, with spirit in my life. And it's not by my hand. There's a wonderful quotation that I didn't use this morning. So don't tell those guys if you see them. Although Jackie was here for both, so she's getting double dose. This is from Scripture. It says, And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye always have sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Which really speaks to in co-creation. Really speaks to opening oneself up. But when I'm in, when I'm in um, victim consciousness, which is a lot of the world, victim consciousness. And you've heard me talk about the kingdoms of consciousness. And this is from, people ask me about what book I got this from. This is actually from our curriculum, The um, Principles of Financial Freedom. And Marcia Sutton and Lloyd Strom wrote this. But I'm going to share a little bit of it. The first kingdom, which you've heard me talk about, and people have asked, where's the book? Well, the book's, this is pretty much it for the time being. When we find ourselves in deep despair and anguish, we may have to pray the old-fashioned way. Because what Marcia's saying is, whatever kingdom we're in, we've got to pray from. So if you find yourself in victim consciousness, you've got to pray from there. Because you're not going to get in this. If you wait till you get to second, second kingdom, you ain't going to get there, ever. So you pray from first kingdom. and get, Sometimes you may have to get down on your hands and knees and ask for help for God. And however, we should not ask for specific outcomes. In kingdom one, you don't ask for specific outcomes. Because you're not ready for specific outcomes in victim consciousness. Because if you demonstrate something in victim consciousness, you, the, the, victim, the victimizers are going to come along with it. So you don't want that. So what do you pray for? Marcia and Lloyd say, instead we should ask for God to awaken our spirit in order to put it in charge of our coach, or the body of our affairs is what she's talking about. Allow my spirit to be awakened. this. Allow me to stand tall and encourage right here and right now for myself, to take a stand for myself. In other words, we need to ask for the wisdom that will reveal our wholeness and truth that will set us free. And once our spirit has been awakened, we're ready to move into the practice of the second kingdom. And nobody, can, nobody starts out in the third and fourth kingdom. Got news for you. Nobody. And sometimes you'll be right back in the first kingdom. But when, there's two stages of this. Sometimes we'll say, I'm never going to do this again because it's too painful. And all of a sudden we realize we did it again. That's stage one. Isn't it good to know that there's a definition for this? Because I've done that. Oh, I promised I'd never do that again. Remember that, that thing you used to put on your wrist and snap, the no complaint thing, and, you'd have to, and if you made a complaint, you'd put it on the other wrist? Man, I was, that thing was going back and forth, wrist, 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 wrist. Every day, I'd be swapping that thing out. Sometimes it was just a full-time job, putting the wrist band on one, going back and forth. Second kingdom. No matter how well you choose our words, we attempt to perform productive prayer from the second kingdom, our prayers will feel lifeless and simply sound like blah, blah, blah. Second kingdom is the king of manifestation. It's the kingdom of what a lot of this movement is in. It's the kingdom of, of the human potential movement. People like Tony Robbins, people like Landmark Forum, people like Personal Best. It's all about m moving stuff around. It's manifestation, it's demonstration. It's very important that we are able to do that. Because we can't master second kingdom and take care of ourselves. We're never going to get to the third kingdom. You've got to have the resources. You've got to have the time and space to show up. And do your work. You've got to have time, as they say, when you're in second kingdom and your prayers are blah, blah, blah. It's because our passengers and our heirs of belief are still on board and are contradicting the truth of our prayers. So I stand in front of the mirror and I say, I'm perfect, whole, and complete. I'm, I'm God in form. And then the, the, that, that second kingdom conversation pops up and says, no, you're not. You're full of crap. No, 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 I'm perfect, whole, and complete. I'm going to stand here and bask in the love of who I am. Right. 
But that's that conversation. So how do you break free of that? Well, it's called spiritual practice. So as, as Marsh and Lloyd say, listen to music that lifts your spirits up. That's why we do music here. It's why I sing that song before we pray. It's another prayer. When I listen to Jessica sing, it's prayers. Her songs are prayers. This is a beautiful artist that we have here. And, and so and, and artists are drawn to artistry. So for me on a Sunday, what I want you to have is the experience. You know, I was looking for Karen Porka in her horn for years until she finally showed up. Then Karen shows up, and then I got people coming up to me going, I hate that horn. And I'm like, well, thanks for sharing. <laughs> okay. I don't know what to say to that. I mean, that's because that's somebody's opinion. And so then we, what do we wrestle on the floor here on top of the labyrinth? <laughs> well, like country western better than that Galdorn horn. Okay, well, stick around. It changes every 10 minutes around here. But the point being is, well, and if you're, you're, your ministry is to please everyone, you please no one. And I, and I get that. I've got a, I've got a, I've got a call to gather what lifts me up and what, what, and, and what lifts you up. And if it's a good match and it vibra- the vibratory tone is the same, there's, there's, there's a conversation that goes on. And if not, people, people find their, their place. But Marcia says, sing a song that makes you happy. Chant an affirmation or mantra that inspires you. Read sacred scripture. I just wrote some, read some scripture to you. And it doesn't have to be from the Bible. It can be from the Tao. It can be from the Buddha. You know, it can be one of these avatars that are hanging on the walls here. Sit in silent meditation. Think back to a time when you were inspired. Imagine that your hopes have already been happened. Go to a place that inspires you in nature, etc. But those are tools to move you out of second kingdom when you feel trapped and your prayers feel empty. And then all of a sudden you move into the third kingdom. And third kingdom, everything that you came alive with in the second kingdom, you have to, you have to just let go of the attachment to move into third kingdom. And third kingdom looks like this as we get there and we pray from that kingdom. We release our inner conflicts and errors. We forgive ourselves. All the energy and the attachment, we forgive ourselves. And we don't have to make it conditional. I just forgive myself. We reach the place where we participate in life as centers of divine expression. That's for me. I love that. As we become inspired by the realization of spirit, we are finally ready to begin the practice of productive prayer. For when we pray with inspiration, our words are juicy in the creative power of spirit. At this point, we can let go and let God get going in order to create something great in our experience of life. I've started uh, our prayer circle before service again at 9.15. We didn't do it for a long time. And the reason I didn't do it for a long time because it's typically to invite the practitioners and the people in ministry to be here at 9.15 to set the, um, uh, the intention to do the invocation, to bless the space and create this vibration because what happens in that is I wrote down from my mentor, Reverend Penny Masick, what we do when we come together in that is the fruits, it's how we tap into the fruits of the holy work. And so you may have practitioners that have had a busy or rough week. They come in and we had volunteers here today. It's such a lovely thing to do. It's been the second week we've done it. And this week we went around and everybody declared the word that they were going to bring to today's service. And it was beautiful because they're words of goodness, they're words of power, they're words of God. And what it does, it's the fruits of healthy work. I am lifted up. We are lifted up in the presence of the, 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 the principle of the Christ consciousness. So Christ is not a person, it's not somebody, it's, it's a historical figure, but in this we mean the principle. And Christ means the connection with spirit in form on earth. That's what Christ means. 
And so we lift ourselves up in that collectively, and then there's a vibrancy. So when you walk in the door, it's there. It's the current that I experienced in Brazil. And it's a beautiful, lovely thing, and it's an invitation. And the reason I mention it, and I want to honor it because it's precious and it's wonderful, and I get it, but the reason I haven't asked for so long is because I feel like I'm selfish and I'm asking for too much. Who am I to say, be here at 9.15 and pray together? I mean, these people have busy lives. They're practitioners. They're going to be here at 9.15. Then what are they going to do from 9.20 until 10 o'clock? Oh, my God. They're going to have 40 minutes with nothing to do. How selfish of me. When, in fact, what it is is it sets the tone, and it's not one prayer. There's a vibration that you, you bask in. But I realize that with me telling my story about it's self-serving for me to invite because people are, are, are too busy, that, that has to die in me. That's not what I'm interested in. I'm interested in being the divine expression. And so if I continue to hang on to this attachment that I'm asking too much, we never get to celebrate together. Because when we come together and we pray together, it's so much more powerful, so much more beautiful. And we're in that third kingdom. And there's a mystery to it. It's a mystery to it. We don't have to understand all of it. It's a greater expression of love and service, so we become the divine opening of the Christ consciousness. And the only way to newness can be given is for love to move through us. So if we're going to do something with how we meet and, and have enough room for our teens on Sunday which should have their own place and enough classrooms which we don't have and enough things for all that serves all of our needs which we're going to have you help compile that list. It's not going to be me. But what, what propels us in that direction is love. So the newness can be revealed. But love and newness revealed in kingdom one or two don't look the same as kingdom three. So my goal, and my, my goal for the last two years has been to give birth to what wants to happen here. And it's not my agenda, but many times I go into it thinking it's my agenda. It's not my agenda, it's Spirit's agenda. And the more I do my meditation work, coming back from Brazil, I realize, oh my gosh, all these ideas started popping. And I said, you, you need to step up in your life. You don't have to do anything, but it's your opportunity to step up and, 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 and represent what we teach. You have stuff in your life that doesn't work. What do you do? Well, eventually we get rid of it. I was planting in my yard yesterday. I'm out in the front yard, and, uh, and I have all these planter boxes. I love to plant the flowers. And everything was dead because I didn't get a chance last year to pull anything out because two feet of snow showed up before I could get out there and help those little guys into their next incarnation. So, but what I know, so I got everything cleaned up, and I bagged it all up and I got it into the trash. And now I have all this soil of possibility. And I get to choose, along with Laura, or Laura gets to choose and tell me what to plant, um, the new plants. And this is the same thing with, with thought. But first we have to put down, we have to do the forgiveness work, we have to clean. I could stand there all summer long and, and water dead plants. And my neighbors would probably report me at some point in time. But it's time for the new crop. As above, so below. It's a metaphor for consciousness. And so as, a, as, we, as, we, as we move forward, as we move forward in, in consciousness and the goal and the, and the desire and the longing that's coming alive in us, you know, that I love our, our tradition. I love this teaching. It is endless. It is deep. It is mysterious. 
It requires the best of me. Every once in a while when I think I got it all figured out, all of a sudden something happens. Have you noticed that? But I love it because it's, it's an opportunity for me to continue to evolve. And so what happens with the, when you're praying from the kingdoms you're in, there's three things I wanted to share with you. Number one, the enemy of prayer, and this comes from Marcia, Reverend Marcia Sutton and, and Dr. Lloyd Strom again, and it, once again, it's from the curriculum I'm using right now. The enemy of prayer is inertia. Inertia is defined as resistance to change. Prayer initiates change. If you'd like change in your life, prayer, 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 prayer. But praying from that kingdom, that third kingdom, and having the tools to get into that third kingdom, the two most important tools to get into the third kingdom are forgiveness and gratitude. Forgiveness and gratitude. Consequently, the inertia within our consciousness that makes us feel like, the consequently is inertia within our consciousness that makes us feel like not praying. This is because subconsciously we know that prayer destroys the errors of our flesh. In order to reveal the mystery of God in our lives, it is our attachment to our errors and our fears of the mystery that keeps us into the status quo. A life of prayer takes courage and a willingness to change. So I realized that it's, my teacher used to always say to me, get comfortable being uncomfortable, which required courage and a willingness to change. The great paradox of prayer, number two, the great paradox of prayer is that when we need it the most, we don't feel like doing it. When we need it the most, I don't want to do it. I've got a TV show to watch. Are you kidding? At such times, we tend to feel like nothing can help us. Anybody felt like that? Nothing's going to help. I've done this before. I took a class over there at that center. Things got better for a week, and now I'm back to this again. I'm never going to change. I did all that stuff. On the other hand, when we are inspired, everything seems to be working in our lives, and we tend to feel that we don't need to pray. So on one end of the spectrum, it's the, nothing's going to help, and on the other, everything's so good, why pray? I got everything working. <laughs> I got this stuff down. And the root of the paradox is the erroneous belief that prayer is a tool to solve problems. I only pray when I got a problem. Uh-oh, I got a problem. Better get it. I'm going to call my practitioner. I got a problem. Prayer is something much greater than this. I love this. Because if you want to know what's shifted and changed for me in Abhijani in a big way, this is it. Prayer is a way of life. Prayer is a way of life. It is a mindset. It is awareness of the immediacy of spirit. That there's something larger than myself in this. That what I'm being guided to, I'm being guided to because I'm being called up to something. What, I, what must I become in, in consciousness? You know, I've sat down with people and I listen to the story many times as a complaint about finances or relationship or career or whatever it may be. And what I hear them doing is wanting the prayer work to change the world. Shrink the bills. Like to own a house, but houses are too expensive. Um... You know, I met this person, and, and it was the man who was the right and perfect mate, the RPM. And now that we're in relationship, I'm madly in love with them, but we don't share the same life dream. So let's pray to change them so they fit my ideal. Got this wonderful job, making all kinds of money, or making not enough money, or making just the right amount of money, but it doesn't make my heart sing. All this stuff. So what happens is we want to shift it all out there. We want to shrink the bills. We want to shrink the price of the house. We want to alter our, our mate, who I was sure when they showed up was the right and perfect person. I don't know what the hell happened. 
when in fact, when prayer is our way of life, it's not about changing anything out there. It's making, making and giving birth to a bigger me. I don't think, when, I, when, I, when we come before you and we're going to put together an idea and a plan of, of what's our next right steps in terms of how we invite our family to come together, what would work right and perfect for us? And what if it was easy? What if there are programs that we could initiate that would help support and supply what we do without distracting us from our purpose here, which is the transformation of consciousness? That church we looked at last week, that's 60 kids in preschool. 60 kids in preschool. And then on, on, the, on the Sundays, those school, those classrooms are available for the little ones that we tuck in the basement right now. And there would probably be a classroom available for our teens to meet on the Sunday morning and come with their parents so parents wouldn't have to come back on Sunday night. And teens could be more of our service on Sunday. And it goes on and on and on. And they seem like little things, but they're our future. I'm tired of putting little kids down that basement down there. I've been in that basement. I don't like teaching in that basement. I've got I to compete with those furnaces. I talked to the furnace guy this year, came out. He said, you're probably going to have to replace furnaces. I said, great, fantastic, good for us. What, no, I didn't really say that, but that's what I wish I'd said if I was in the third kingdom. <laughs> so just the point is, what's, the, what's good use of resources? Those kind of things. And, and collectively, we'll define that. We'll figure it out. But if we don't set a, an intention, if we, don't, if we don't invoke a new idea and a new possibility for ourselves, nothing will change. That's what I know. You know, every week I go buy a big lottery ticket because I think if I win the lottery, I can build this whole thing and then I don't have to have the conversation with you guys and then you guys will still love me and it's like, wow, and he even built the whole church for us. It's a fantasy. I'm still buying tickets, by the way, but... But, I, I mean, that's where I go. Then I don't have to do any of this. I'm just going to win, you know, 30 million for Lotto Max. We'll build and we'll buy the whole block. And all this stuff goes on and on in my head. But if it were that easy, I wouldn't get to go through all the learning and the evolution with you. And then be able to look back in a few years and say, wow, we did that. We did that together. If that's possible, anything's possible. I remember when we were trying to raise the money to buy these chairs. People kept coming in every week. Some, we had one guy buying 10 chairs every week. $70 a chair. Came up about, I don't know how many times he came in. I think he did about 10 times. It was amazing. Amazing stuff. But if you don't ask, and if you don't set the intention, you know, Seneca said that a ship without a course will blow anywhere. And so it's, just, it's, it's a wonderful opportunity. But prayer is a way of life. It is the way that we express the divinity within us. And consequently, prayer should be engaged as a daily discipline regardless of how we may feel. Prayer should be like breathing. I'm, I've been breathing this whole time I've been talking to you. If I stop breathing, someone else will be doing the talk next week, I can tell you that. And the third one, prayer, pray every day whether you need it or not. And that's why we teach affirmative prayer here. That's why when you come in and take a class, we spent months and months teaching people affirmative prayer. And most of that affirmative prayer is the form. And most of it is second kingdom prayer because people are thinking and they're working and blah, 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 blah. But you've got to do the blah, blah, blah to get to the artistry, to get to the third kingdom. Because then you have a vehicle that propels you forward and lifts you up in consciousness. Because then it becomes sacred invocation. Then it's not just mindful chatter. 
There's a divine presence that lives and moves. And every morning, Laura and I get up now, we do our, our releasing prayer from co-creation. She goes in one room, I go in the other. We've been doing it a long time, but now we're just on it. Uh, first thing we do, before it was like we get up and wander around. But first thing I do, I go in one room, she goes in the other, I do my 70 prayers, releasing prayers. And then we sit down and we meditate. And I hold some crystals from the Abhijandi because I just love that. I feel like I reconnect with the current. And then I'm in such gratitude. Thank you, thank you, infinite intelligence, this army of light that surrounds me. This is what I want in my life. Thank you for the help to, to guide me and to grow me in my consciousness and my ministry so that we can add value to the world where there's lack and limitation and there's, people are discouraged. And Dr. Holmes has got a beautiful prayer called the Peace Prayer. I pulled it up this morning. Let every thought of hate be turned to love. Let every thought of fear be returned to faith. Every thought of doubt be returned to certainty. Every thought of war be turned to peace. Heal the wounds of the world and bring peace upon the face of the earth. Beautiful. And thank you, infinite army of light and this divine presence. I call the goodness into my life. Thank you for wonderful health so that I have the vibrancy and the, and the health and the mental acuity so I can continue to, to decipher and discern and to make choices in my life that are powerful and wonderful. Thank you for allowing me to go to Brazil and, and, and dip into this amazing consciousness and I can invite the, part of the family of this community to go experience that and keep bringing it back. This is exactly what we teach. For me, it was like, it was like spiritual practice at, at 20,000 feet. The air was real thin there. I got exhausted at times. But so powerful and wonderful. And I want you, that's what I want for you. That's what I want for me. I want to live in that divine. I want the experience of the infinite. And then I want that experience to take me out in the world. So bless what we have, this beautiful physical form. Thank you for this beautiful physical form and continue to heal whatever is in discord or distress right now. Reveal to me how I can shift and change my consciousness, my attitude, my way of life so I can bring balance and harmony back into this physical form. Allow me to be a blessing where I can do my forgiveness work in my relationships, where I have, where I have wronged someone or I feel I've been wronged. Allow me the grace in my life to do the forgiveness work so that my vital life energy can be put into something productive and valuable. And I can be an example for these little kids coming up down, from downstairs so that who and what I am, I don't have to say anything because they see it and they recognize it and it's powerful. I mean, that's the possibility. That's what we stand for. You, for you to go out in your life and take these principles and understand that when you look in the mirror and you're, and you're living in conditional love, that's not a big enough idea for you. And to encourage you to, to, to shift your awareness from that filter of your own consciousness so that something powerful and beautiful can happen. And we do that work then we, it's sustainable. Everything we're doing is sustainable. And if we forget to forgive immediately, move right back into it and to dive into those areas of our lives where, where, we, where we are restricted, where we have memories that keep us from celebrating life because we feel like we've got to keep punishing ourselves because we let ourselves down or we let somebody else down. If your heart's true and you care deeply, forgive yourself and say, next time I won't do that. I made a mistake. But it's, it's just interesting how we pour so much of energy into things that are not productive. The limitations. We are here to live. We are here to be an expression of the infinite in form. And when we understand that and we stand in that agreement, then whatever shows up in our life, we're willing to walk through the door. But if, as long as we stay in the confusion and the, and, the, and the status quo of maintaining what is, it's just a very small experience. It's the incubator of love. For newness, to be revealed, it's love leading the way. And that's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing. So I'm going to pick out all kinds of colorful flowers with Laura this year. I'm going to plant them. I'm going to, I know enough about fertilizer. This is about my seventh year here. You know, in Southern California, there were flowers everywhere. 
I've been here 10 years, and um, like you, I long to see some color when the sun starts staying up a little bit longer because I took it for granted for a long time. But what I know is I need to water them, I need to fertilize them, I need to take care of them, I need to pull the weeds when they start to show up. And it's a perfect metaphor for my life. When the weeds start to show up and they start choking off life, when my belief system starts to become an obstacle for what my ideal is, and I get to pull the weeds out. That's my spiritual practice. That's my prayer work. If I'm confused, I know I'm guided to the right and perfect prayer partner, the right and perfect minister, the right and perfect book, the right and perfect practitioner, whatever it may be, because I'm living in that divine intuition. And then I pay attention. And it's not easy. But if you do it for five minutes this week, if you haven't done it at all, five minutes is, is beautiful. Celebrate that. If you f- start to meditate on a regular basis, I cannot wait to do my meditation in the morning now. It doesn't mean there's some t- mornings I'm thinking, thinking, thinking the whole time, but I'm in meditation and I love it. I love it, love it, love it. When I was doing the, the t- putting away the old plants yesterday and bagging, it was a meditation. When I was preparing for my talk this morning, I said, how can I bring prayerfulness to this? And so when I found myself worrying about going into the performance anxiety, I would just bless it and release it. So then my life becomes a, a way of prayer, and prayer becomes my way of life. And I know that's true for you as well. So thank you, blessings, and so it is.